Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the Donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Well, good morning, Portico. Isn't that a great story? Jeff's a part of our church family. And so as part of what God's been doing in his heart, God really stirred him to look for, and we've been talking about this in Nehemiah, identify a need that resonates inside of your heart. Uh, inside your heart, get to know God's perspective on that, move forward with humility, embrace your destiny, and he's living it out. And now he's working, but he's providing resource to enable him to go and help people that have been devastated because of the hurricane. And I go, yay, Jeff. Let's give him a big hand for doing that and for sharing with us today. You know, the, the great thing is, as I know, whether you're watching online or you're in the room today, is that we have just hundreds of Jeffs in the room because God's called so many of you to a vision that's on your heart and you're serving it out faithfully and you're serving and a lot of us don't even know the story. In fact, Jeff comes and sits in the service and he would sometimes be seated over here and then he'd move over here. He's doing that to mess me up so I couldn't track him down. But we come and we go and we don't know each other's story. But what really is compelling to me is when Jeff started to share the burden that God put on his heart is it was just to be able to applaud him and say, go for it. Jeff, God's not calling you to come and play piano. He's not calling you to play guitar, but he's going, you got a skill, you got an ability and move in the redemption and the grace of Jesus and change people's lives. And so you see that little video and wouldn't it be amazing if we could see hundreds of videos of your story being retold? So I've been challenging you. God's given you a vision. He's given you a destiny and a purpose, just like Nehemiah. And you need to pursue that dream and figure that out. He never called anybody to be a spectator didn't call us to come and be a part. He didn't say, I'm going to build my church so you could attend. He said, I'm building my church, and we know it's not a building, that it's people, that we're part of it. It's flesh and blood, right? Oh, no. Interactive church. Got to work with me here. Just touch your neighbor right now. This is your chance. If that's that beautiful girl you wanted to meet, just go. If you're married, put your hand down. But this this is the opportunity right here to go, this is what it is. This is a church that as much as we think we're flawed, God goes, no, through my spirit, I can use you in powerful ways. And you can rebuild homes. You can teach kids. You can serve communion. You can do what God's called you to do with the gifts and skills and abilities that you have. And there's something about when a dream comes to fruition, there's a thrill. You know this, that when your dream begins to unfold, there's something about it that just absolutely fills you with joy. Some of you have dreamt about coming to Canada. You immigrated here, brought your family, maybe you came on your own, and remember praying and planning and strategizing, and you finally arrived at this beautiful, balmy place with palm trees and hot sun and everything. <laughs> oh, that's not Canada. We did this wrong. But you dreamed about the moment, and when you got here, you were like, God, thank you. And when you put your foot on the ground and you started, didn't mean it wouldn't be hard, but you got here and you go, the thrill of engaging in the moment of the vision. Some of you, you dreamt about your career and some are just starting this. 
And the day that you walked into that university, that college classroom, knowing, I know my destiny, I know what God's calling me to do with my life, I'm preparing to be a lawyer, a teacher, an architect, an engineer, whatever it is, you knew what God was calling you to. And the moment you step into that classroom and there's that overwhelming sense of fear and joy and trauma and hesitation because you know it's going to be hard work, but it's beginning, it's now. And I just think that's so much what we've been reading in Nehemiah, 2008, Jeff Feuders was on staff at the time, and Jeff called me, and we're good friends, and he called me, and he said, hey, Doug, what are you doing? And I said, you know what I'm doing. And he said, well, then get your coffee, get down to the church. So if you were back here, how many, by the way, quick show of hands, 2008, this was sort of home, you hung out here with us. All right, good number of people. So in 2008, I drove down to the church parking lot, and we parked at the far end of the parking lot, and we had what were called portable classrooms, for those of you that used to be here at the time. Those were those wonderful mold-infested breeding environments where we put our staff offices. And so we were in the church parking lot, and we had finished all of our plans, and the heavy equipment was on the property. The earth-moving machines were here. The backhoes were on the ground. And the backhoe operator got into his machine, and he backed it up to the corner of the portables. And we had our cameras, and we had our coffee, and I could not dream of a better day. And I watched as that guy operated that backhoe with that big bucket like a yellow praying mantis, and he just, wham, he began to devour that. And we're out there applauding. The neighbors probably thought we were crazy. They're going, you're wrecking the building. And we go, no, we're launching the vision. But you know, the thrill of that moment wasn't when the building was coming down and the new buildings were going up. The thrill was the experience that this was beginning, but we had spent years in meetings and planning and praying and meeting with people and resourcing this and dreaming about what it was going to take, strategizing how the building was going to be put together and how many more people would find their way back to God. And watching that building be demolished, it wasn't about what was being destroyed, it was what was about being built, that God was doing something greater and he's doing that in all of our lives. You know, we just talked about this. Rachel shared this in the song. And, you know, if our God is for us, you guys were doing that, right? Was I in the same room? Okay. And some of you were getting all pumped up. You know, if our God is for us, you're going like, yeah. And then if I said, now go do it. No. That's all about the guys on the worship team. See, we do that with vision. That's what we know as leaders. I can get up in front of you and I go, we got a great vision in front of us. And I've done it so many different times. And I said, I believe that God is calling us to help people far from God, find their way back into a loving relationship with Jesus, to find the forgiveness of sins and experience his redemption in powerful ways. And everybody's, I love that vision. I need your help. Chirp, chirp, chirp. Gets crickets in the room because we love visionary people. So imagine Nehemiah. When you get to Nehemiah chapter 3, it's a very interesting chapter. And if you want to turn there and get your apps out, get your Bibles out, we're in a series called Dare to be Different, Living Your Life on Purpose. You get to Nehemiah chapter 3. Well, chapter 2 is all about Nehemiah fulfilling the call, getting there, getting the resource, landing on the ground, strategizing, walking around the city at night and looking at what he needed to do. And then chapter 3 is all about starting. And you read about all these different people, and you go, it's, it's kind of, you read through it, and it's sort of this soft, okay, the people started building the wall, and look what takes place, and here's the names of the different people. And somehow we lose momentum in the moment, but I, I don't want you to lose the momentum. I want you to catch the spirit of what's taking place here. Because leaders understand something that often when we stand, and you, those of you that have a vision that's burning in your heart, like Jeff, you understand something. That when you begin to share your vision, people get excited for you, but it doesn't mean that they participate with you. And Nehemiah recognized that God wasn't calling him to a solitary adventure. God was calling him to lead a shared experience. 
And the church is always about a shared experience. Never, never about solitary names. Now, we tend to pull names out individually and we celebrate traits, characteristics, and principles from their lives. But you cannot pick up your Bible without understanding this is a shared journey. This is a shared experience. And Nehemiah knew that if he was going to fulfill the vision, the dream that God had called him to, what he needed to do was somehow infuse something in the hearts of the people that they would rally together and they would say, we can do this. We're going to do this. So bear with me. If I was Nehemiah at the time, I could see Nehemiah standing. He probably found a section of the wall that was all torn down and the rubble was there. And he probably got up on the rocks really carefully, called all of the people from Jerusalem together. And he goes, I have a dream. Everybody's, I love dreams. Keep preaching that. I have a dream. I have a dream that we can rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And people are already whispering, hasn't been done for 90 years. I have a dream that we can do this and we can put the gates back in and we can re-secure the bars on the gates. And they go, they've been burned out for a long time. But as he talks, there's something in the spirit of the people that begins to catch. See, people believe when God inspires the dream. People believe when they know that God is in the middle of it. And as Nehemiah is speaking, it wasn't about him. He was preaching and sharing and teaching and encouraging and exhorting. And he was going, this isn't about me. He was the foreigner. Remember that. This is the guy that came from Persia, cupbearer to the king. And even though he has ancestral lineage that ties him to Jerusalem, he wasn't in the first wave of exiles. He was born over the land of Persia. So for those that are living in the land, they're going, oh, you know, that's good for you. You come from Persia and you're telling us you have a dream? But Nehemiah understood something, that God was calling the people to a much bigger experience. And so when he starts to share and he starts to call people out, the people start to respond and they engage. And you go, well, why is that so important? Because there's lessons that we learn from Nehemiah chapter 3. It's not a story about a group of people building a wall. It's a reminder of what God is calling us to do collectively together. So get your notes out and let's learn. Who are these unlikely heroes? And what does God want us to know as we read Nehemiah chapter 3? Write this down. Number one, you have an important part to play in the vision. You have an extremely important part to play in the vision. If the success were merely for Nehemiah to build the wall, we all know that he had letters from the king. He could have outsourced the construction project, and he could have had a group of people come in, and he could have imported the workers and built the wall and be done. It was over. But he knew that this was not the vision. The vision, listen carefully, if the vision's only about the project you're involved in, you've missed the most important part. The vision is about the people that God releases into the project. Because we could have built a building and nobody would have been in the building. And I look at our world today and I look at the number of edifices and towers and structures and buildings and statues that are put up and it's all about the individual, not about the people behind them. And I think it's time that we start to look back at this and realize that every great vision is included with all the people that serve into it. It's that everybody has a part to play in this. So I look at Nehemiah. In fact, if your Bibles are open or you have your app there and you're following in the notes, if you look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 20, Nehemiah says this. He's responding to the opponents of the building program, and he said, but I answered them by saying this, the God of heaven will give us success because we, his servants, are rebuilding. Very, very important verse. If you take notes or you write in the margin of your Bible, note this. Nehemiah doesn't put his name in. He doesn't say, the God of heaven has given me 
this project, and he's going to give me success. He immediately immerses himself with his people. The best leaders are always leaders who lead with the people. They're always involved. What's the vision that's on your heart? Who are the people that are serving into your vision? How are you making room for them to be a part of what God is calling you in to do? That's where it really starts to get exciting. And how many of you know it gets very frustrating when you're working with people? Isn't that the wonderful part of being human? So you get this opportunity to serve, and God's calling them in. Now, I've got a couple of illustrations I want to share with you. On the screen, here's a map of the ancient 445, roughly 445 B.C. This is a picture of what would have been that black line circling the walls of Jerusalem during the time of Nehemiah. I have another image that's going to give you a little more clarity. See the red circle, top right-hand side, around the Sheep Gate? That's up by the temple, so that's the area that the priests serve. And then Nehemiah assigns the tasks. In fact, chapter 3, it lists the tasks going counterclockwise. So he goes, and you can see all the different stations there. And I drew the outline just to give you an idea of all the stations where the people were being called to work. And when you look at the map and you look at the number of gates and you look at the size of the wall, here's what you understand. No one man could ever fulfill that vision on their own. And so he's calling people in to serve. And how do you vision cast this? Well, it wasn't about the wall. He was vision casting to the people. And he's going, it's time that we restore the glory of the Lord in the city of Jerusalem. It's time that we rally together and we become the people that God has called us to be. It's time that we embrace the vision of what God has prophetically declared we're going to be as a nation and that Jerusalem once again becomes a spiritual epicenter of the land. And for that group of people at that particular time, you can almost feel the adrenaline coursing through their veins. They're going, we, we can do this. And all of us together, we can make a difference. So Never dismiss the importance of your role when it comes to fulfilling the vision that God has called us to. Now, often as pastors and leaders and teachers, we'll stand in front of you and we'll talk to you about the church. So we'll throw something out there. Like Jesus said, I will build my church. Everybody good? So we go, that's good. He's going to build his church. And we know that it's not the stone. It's not the mortar. That it's flesh and blood. He goes, I'm going to build my church. And then we're willing to leave it to Jesus. But he actually involved people. And he called people into his vision. And he called people into the opportunity to serve into this. And he said, and then I'm going to give you my spirit. And I'm going to equip you to be able to do this. And so you have the disciples. And in fact, he entrusted them. And he said, and you're going to be my witnesses. And you're going to go to Judea and Samaria and all the way to the ends of the earth. And so you realize that even when it came to vision casting with Jesus, Jesus, if he wanted to, could build a church on his own. But he recognized the project is not the completion of the, of the building or the entity in this instance, but it's the collaboration and the involvement of people. Did you know that Jesus cares so much about you being involved in his vision that he wants you to recognize that you have an important part to play? That it's not just about the pastor, the teacher, the leader, the singer. In fact, he broke it down into very small components. Sometimes he said, it's even the sharing of a cup of cold water that can be powerful and transformative in the life of another person, that everybody has the opportunity to be a conduit of grace that can share love and open up the opportunity of the kingdom to be experienced, that sometimes it's shaking a hand of of somebody who's coming through the door that's just brand new to a church, and that handshake and that warm hello just melts the individual to go, I feel like home. And I can tell you, because I hear it all the time, people over and over and over tell me, Pastor, you know what I love about coming here? very first experience I walked in, it just felt like home. 
It felt like home. So you're doing a pretty good job of being people who make this feel like home. So I need you to clean up your rooms. No, just kidding. So <laughs> it's serving in and owning a part of it that there's, there's no spectators. Now, if you're on the journey of faith and you're curious and you're wondering what faith is all about, sit back, relax, and enjoy. But if you're in, the, if you're in and you've signed up and you said, I'm following Jesus and I'm loving Jesus, then it's time to roll up the sleeves and get involved. Whether you're serving in the church physically with us on the weekend or you're serving in the church, because as soon as you walk out these doors, you're serving in his church. You're helping him build the church. That means he wants you to be aware, be alert, be engaged, and follow and serve into the vision of what it is. We are committed to helping people find their way back to God, and I need you to be a part of that because I could never possibly reach the number of people that God has already purposed in his heart that he will bring into his kingdom. So he says, Portico, you get to do this together. Portico Online, you get to participate in this. Great story, Jim. I think one of the reasons I like the multi-campus ministry so much is because it allows us to do even more and more with gifts and skills. So when we launched into this, we did a quick assessment. Here's what we quickly discovered. It takes about 100 serving roles to launch a campus. It doesn't just take a communicator at the front and a couple of worship team members. By the time you go through your kids, your welcome, your greeters, your setup, hospitality, all the different roles, there's about 100 opportunities to serve in, and that's what it takes to launch a campus. But when you do that, you now have a vibrant outpost frontier, as Rachel talked about it. I love that. You have a frontier where people who are far from God can find relationship with God through those that are serving in. And everybody can use their gifts to be able to do that. So it was maybe a year ago that Jim used to sit over here, and Jim came to me and he said, Pastor, I want you to know I'm leaving the church. Now, those aren't words I like to hear all the time. And so I, was, I looked a little shocked, and I said, you are? And he goes, well, no, I'm not leaving Portico. I'm leaving this church. And I said, oh. I said, well, where are you going? He goes, I'm joining Brampton. He goes, because I was trying to figure out what could I do as part of this? And he realized, he said, you know what I've come to understand? I maybe can't play piano and I can't play guitar and I can't stand up and speak. He goes, but I can set up chairs. I can get the church ready for Sunday morning. So Jim left this campus and every Sunday morning, 7 o'clock, bright and early, Jim is at the other campus and he's pulling chairs out, setting chairs up, making sure everything's set up, hospitality is all in place so that people can find their way back to God. Jim's my hero. That's amazing. Because when I get out of bed on Sunday mornings, I know Jim is getting up at the same time that I am, and we're both on a shared vision together, and he's got a part to play in this. Oh, you go, that's really good, you know? So we go, yay, Jim! And we should. We need to do that. How many of you want to come with us next week, 7 (laughs) o'clock? It's time change. I'm getting you ready. All right, so this is Jim. So why did I tell you Jim's story? Well, because Jim probably doesn't know this yet, but he's already had a significant impact in the life of people, that are now partnering into the vision. Just three weeks ago, during one of those typical setup Sundays, and you remember the snow? Remember the cold? And you were watching online? Because we spiked. We went from 300 to 900, because I know a lot of you stayed home to watch online. Jim got out of bed, and he went and set up chairs. And on a Sunday, when the Brampton campus was meeting, there were two girls walking down the sidewalk on Sunday morning, and they saw the particle flags outside the building, and thought, well, well, well what's that all about? 
This was their school, but they didn't know what the flags were and why there was people there on Sunday. They walked into the school to find out why people were meeting there and what's Portico, what's that? And when they got in, they met our team of people there and they explained, well, we're a church and we're part of the community here and we're here to serve the community. And these girls got so excited, they texted their mom and they said, mom, you're not going to believe this. They were both Christians and they'd been praying because they attend that school They said, we've been praying for a way to figure out how can we reach our school for Jesus. Their mom drove down and joined them for the service that Sunday morning. They're part of our Brampton campus. Yay, Jim, for setting up chairs for people to be able to sign in and be a part of a vision. Now, that's why you give a hand to Jim, right? I love this. So the opportunities, the opportunities are there, and you have a part to play. Number two, write this down in your notes. Your calling is always to serve with others. So when I look at what, Jeremiah, or what Nehemiah is doing, he never calls people into a solitary experience. He called them to a shared experience. So if your notes are there, your Bibles, go to Nehemiah chapter 3. And let's go to verse 6. And here's what we read. The Jeshana gate was repaired by Joada, son of Paseah, and Meshalem, son of Besadiah. They laid its beams and put its doors with their bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by men from Gibeon and Mitzvah, Malaysia of Gibeon and Jaden of Maranoth, places under the authority of the governor of the trans-Euphrates. Uzel, son of Harhea, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section. And Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, repaired, made repairs next to that. And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. Let's go back to the screen for a real quick moment. Let me show you a couple of pictures. So I had a, an image of the map of Jerusalem that I showed to you. I want to take you around the corner. You see the circle where the broad wall is? So while you're looking at this, there are 38 individuals that are mentioned. There are 42 groupings of people that are mentioned. So the Bible reveals the scale of participation. And that's not all of them. That's just the ones we have record of. The picture of their broad wall is mentioned right here in Nehemiah chapter 3. Go to the next image. If you were to visit Jerusalem today, archaeologists have excavated this section in Jerusalem of that wall. This is the broad wall that Nehemiah's group of people built. If you've never known if you could trust the Bible, science and archaeologists are proving it every day. So here you have records, and they have found artifacts from this era, 450, 440 BC. Go to the next slide. Here you have another picture of the wall, and you see the section. So the city is being built up around it. In fact, the entire city is built upon the ruins. So as they're excavating, they're they're revealing these parts of it. And I love this because here you've got Nehemiah calling people in, and section by section by section, they're building up this wall. Go to the next picture for me. So here's an image, and if you circle all the way down, you'll see the blue circle at the bottom. And I don't, I'm not sure if you can read it, but it says the upper pool, the pool of Siloam, and the lower pool. We don't have time to go into the whole story today, but if you read this account, there's a man by the name of Shalom who repairs the walls next to the pool of Siloam. Then you fast forward to the Gospels and you'll find the account of Jesus performing a miracle at the pool of Siloam. You never know how much time will pass between when you serve into a vision with others and God works a miracle in somebody else's story. So because of what they were doing nearly 500 years before Jesus shows up on the scene, they were faithful serving together. And you look at this and you go, God, thank you. 
Thank you that you called us from all the nations of the world. Thank you that you've called us from all diverse backgrounds. Thank you that you've gifted us because not only do we get to serve in to this vision, we get to do it together. We get to serve with one another. So I mentioned there were 38 different uh, names that are in there, 42 different groupings. Nehemiah did something incredibly strategic. So when you read, it says that, we, we can't read all of chapter 3, you could do it later today, but it says that they repaired the walls next to their house. Why did he do that? It's an interesting thought, isn't it? So he signed them the portion next to their house. How many of you have ever commuted on the 401 or you commute on the 401? Isn't that fun? I love this man. He's so brilliant. He's got this downloaded wisdom from God. He goes, who wants to commute when you can work next to your home? So he assigns them a place because he cuts the travel time down so that they'd be right there serving where they're most needed and most effective, right? Here's the other thing that's really brilliant about this. When you're building a wall for security purposes, will you put more attention in the wall outside of your house or if it's your neighbor's house on the other side of the city? Let's be honest. If I'm building the wall and it's in your house on the other side of the city, I put in a pretty good day's work. I wouldn't worry too much about the stones. I built it. But if it's in front of my house, you can bet I'm going to build that wall. I'm going to fortify that wall. I'm going to do everything necessary. In fact, I'm going to put a few extra stones around my house because I don't want my wall to come down. And Nehemiah rallies these people together, and he gets them to serve together. He didn't want them to build bunkers because a bunker means then I'm going to have to watch every area of my life. But building a wall... That is a collaborative effort, and when we build the wall, then everybody inside the wall is safe together, and we equally invest into this. God calls us to serve in together, and that brilliant opportunity allows us to bring our gifts, our skills, and our abilities to do something terrific for God. When we built our building here back in 2008, 2009, completed it, one of the things we did in this room and out in the main areas of the church is we had a lot of you come in and said, how many of you like to do demolition? And it's amazing. This is where everybody goes, I like to destroy. So we invited you to come in. And following services on Sunday, we moved everything out of here and we started to pull up the carpets. And as we were doing that, we handed out huge permanent markers. And we said, while you're doing that, feel free to put your name on the floor. And you guys were like kids. Because you know, you told your kids don't write on the walls at home. So we told you don't write on the walls at church. But write your name on the floor. All across this room, all throughout our foyer, are the names of people that were a part of our church community as we were embarking on this. And it wasn't that they merely attended here. They were actually serving and working and doing something greater for the vision. And they were doing this together. And I love those memories because you watched people pour their heart into this. And this is what you read from Nehemiah. He said, we worked at it with all of our heart and we got a chance to serve together. So my question is, the vision that God has birthed in your heart, not only are you called to serve into his vision of building the church, but are you making room for people to serve with you in what God's called you to accomplish? We showed that little video of Jeff today and uh, got to the end of the service, and one of the, one of the individuals, a gentleman attending the service, came up just this morning, came up to me. He said, Doug, that video, and then the message. He goes, that's what I want to do, but I didn't know how to get there. Can you introduce me to Jeff? 
because I have the same trade, same skill, same opportunity. I just, I didn't know where to go with this. So today, when I get finished the service, we're going to link those two together so they can start serving in because I know the greatest thing that Jeff is looking for is who wants to partner in a vision that's much bigger than one person? Because Jeff has always said, this isn't what God's just called me to. I think there are others. And the same is true in your world. God's given you a vision to pursue. Who are the people that are coming along to serve into it? All right, in your notes. So when you're recruiting unlikely heroes, number three, always remember that your contribution should be equally celebrated. The part that you play is incredibly important. So I can just envision everybody, Nehemiah, working on the wall. And as they're coming together, they're working outside of their house. You know, you got mom and dad, and you got the young and the old. In fact, the Bible's kind of interesting because the descriptions, I thought, were fascinating. You have goldsmiths and perfume makers building a wall. I had to think about that for a while. But then we're putting stones in place, and we're fortifying the wall. But it tells me that God had priests working next to civic leaders. And God had perfume makers, and thank God for perfume makers because those that don't use it, sometimes you need it, right? He had perfume makers working next to the shepherds. That's why that was an important thing to have. And then he had goldsmiths working next to the farmers. See, in God's economy, God doesn't look at us through the skill that we have that we define each other with. God looks at us as part of his community that can serve in collectively together, and we don't misappropriate the value of one over the other. That we look at each other equally, and we go, that's your skill you played in, way to go. And you've heard me say it, and I'll say it over and over and over. I believe this in the bottom of my heart. God has gifted me to do what I do, but it is no greater than the person who shook the hand at the door of the guest walking into the building this morning. Because this would be a dismal experience if there was nobody in the room. I don't like listening to me all that much. But I love it when people are shaking hands with people and they're coming in. And I get a chance to go, I want to open this up and share it with you. And if I know the heart of a person has been prepared, and then the people that make the coffee for us, that's a high value. And the people that are looking after their kids, you should hug those people. Honestly, just hug them when you're done and go, thank you, because you know what it's like raising your own kids, right? Dwayne was up here talking about getting rid of his kids just for one day. Imagine if we did something that took him for five. He would be, anyhow. Everybody, everybody should be equally celebrated. So when I look here back in the scripture, look at Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6. Here's how he describes the process. So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people were working with all their hearts. So I brought that verse back into play because I wanted you to see something. Nehemiah, and this is extremely important, Nehemiah doesn't use me, he used we, and he talked about the effort and the energy of the people. Some of you have, you're probably a little more scholared in the scriptures and you know this, but many might not. Nehemiah uses his name in chapter 1 when he introduces himself as cupbearer to the king. That's the first time. Nowhere in chapter 3 do we read his name. We read about everybody else. He tells us all these other names of people, but he doesn't put himself in. In fact, you don't see his name again until chapter 7 when he lists it in the list of the genealogy of the people who returned from exile to Jerusalem. 
He redacted himself from the story because it wasn't about Nehemiah. It was always about the people. And he honored them. And he didn't care what they did and what role they shared. He honored them. And that's one of the most important things we can do. Friends, in your life, the way you honor the people around you will determine how far they'll follow you in the vision that you have. Because if they feel it's all about you, they're not going to go with you. But if they feel that the vision is really about God and that other people have room to share and participate in the vision, they're going to follow you and they're going to serve into this with all of their heart. So when you look at the scriptures and you look at the life of Nehemiah, he calls us and challenges us that some of the most unlikely heroes that serve in division are the people that are seated in this room right now. They're the people listening to me online. They're all around us. That we get to serve in to God's church and we get to help him build his church. But the accolades that we give should never be for one individual. It should be for the collective group. So Sunday morning... You know, we do something here. We put a spotlight up on the stage. Part of this is so that you don't really know how terrible I look. They wash me out with all the lights, so I look better to you this way. So we have this featured spotlight, and here's what's important. We live in a culture where people clamor to get in the spotlight. So this, the selfie culture that we live in, Laura and I, we had gone to a sports game just recently, and it was funny. These couple of girls were sitting in front of us, and so you know, they're not inexpensive tickets when you want to go for a little bit of entertainment. And we're there watching the competition on the floor. And the two girls, they had their phone out. And the whole time, it was like the whole time. So we were trying to photobomb just to kind of help it out a bit. I don't even think they knew what stadium they were in, let alone who was playing the game. Because honestly, I don't think they watched the game. I was actually having more fun watching them at times than the game. And they would go over to the stairwell and they'd go down and they would do the pose and then they'd get people to... You know, we are so self-indulged. In fact, we do selfies with friends, but we really didn't want them in there in the first place because <laughs> it's awkward. It's the side shot. We would prefer this shot, right? This way here. And so we have this culture that puts the spotlight on us. And I want to remind you, whenever you gather together as part of our church community, the spotlight's here only provide a practical source of presence. They do not represent feature. I am not the featured voice here. Only Jesus is. But the rest of us belong in the spotlight. So I want to do something. I'm going to ask the worship band to come out this morning. Because this is a group of people who often live in the shadows. So we hear them, but we often... The reluctant leaders. Come on. Come on over here. Yeah, big hand. <laughs> okay. So this is just a sampling of the hundreds of people that serve into our worship leading experience. And from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Because what you guys, even this morning, as we're singing the way you bring such ease and enhancement and the skill and proficiency that you give in your servant's heart. I love each one of you guys and for all that you do and all that serve into this capacity. Thank you for doing that. This, this group here, come on, join us. Get on the line. This is called Get on the Line. This group here, there are cheerleading dancers and singers and they love it. They thrive off the energy in the room. We all do. And... 
they are often in the light, but they would be the first to tell you that they couldn't do what they do if it wasn't for the worship band and the tech people that are serving in to bring all of this experience together. And so we want to say thank you to all of our tech people. In fact, in, in fact, Laura, come on up here. Darren, come on up here. Let's just do this right now. Okay? Let's see. Mary, Mary Lou, did she leave on me? Yeah, she gets a little nervous. Josh, okay, come on. Bring them all down. Where are the ushers in the room? Who are people that serve in the church right now? Stand to your feet. Where are you? Come on. Get up. Serve. Cal, get up here. Come on. Get up here. Up on the stage. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Run like you just... This is the prize is right. Come on down. Come on. Come on. Get up. I'm, I'm not going to stop. Come on. This is what I love about it. Look at everybody's like, oh, you know who are, you know who are the otter, you know, the people, the people, people, they're like, oh, this is my chance, I'm coming. But it's, it's all the reluctant ones that are going, come on, yeah, keep coming, yeah, come on down, come on down. We have growth group leaders. We have, well, we're going to leave our kids' ministries where they are because otherwise we'd have like chaos right over there. The reality of the fact is, is I, I'm looking out, and it should be the inverse. We should actually just all walk down with you and turn all the lights back this way. Because there's so many of you, I can see you standing out there, and you're just, you're reluctant. Because we don't step out for our own sense of accomplishment, but we do step up for the sense of vision to serve God. And so on behalf, this is just the representative, uh, representative group of all of us in the room. Give yourselves a hand today for all that you're doing. That's, that is so cool. I'm looking at Wade. I'm going, hey, you're an elder. What are you doing down there? You're in trouble. We're, you and me, we're talking later on. And Fiona, don't look at him like that. You're part of a growth group. I know how this all works. And Stuart, I know where you are. See, we could go through the room and just pick everybody out. All of us were called into a vision. We get to serve together in this vision. And we should be celebrating each other equally in this so as we do this together, we get to help people find their way back to God. And if you happen to drop in today and you have no idea what faith is all about, welcome to the greatest place to be. Anybody in this room can tell you what faith is all about. So welcome to Portico today. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So now that we have thoroughly, you know, disarmed our entire support service system, and we would have brought you up here, but we don't have enough strength on the platform to get everybody up here. What do we do with this? Well, we pray. Because God has called us to a compelling vision that is not about a project, it's all about people. And you're about to leave. And as you leave this day, you're going to encounter people far from God. And it might be your act of kindness, it might be the word that you speak, it might be the hospitality you offer. You never know that little act that's going to make a difference in their lives. And who knows, could be five years, 10 years, maybe 450 years before God uses that moment to transform that heart. And it's his timing. I just want to serve in. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for what we get to do. Thank you that we get to serve together and for all the men and women behind me and all that are in front of me and those listening together online. We are your church, and we humbly yield ourselves to you again. Thank you that you've called us as unlikely heroes to serve into a vision that's far bigger than anything we could ever imagine. So, Jesus, as you build your church, today we offer ourselves one more time. We want to help you 
so that people will know what it is to experience the grace, the love, and the redemption of God. And I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for watching today. Be sure to check out our other messages on this page, and you can also watch us live online every Sunday morning at 1010 a.m. Don't forget, share your story or send us a prayer request by emailing info at porticocanada.ca. You can also stay connected by liking our Facebook page or following us on Twitter at PorticoCC.